When Russia invaded Ukraine, the first question many people asked was, does this war appear in Bible prophecy? While we can say with certainty that this specific attack does not appear in scripture, there are some major ways that this crisis could be helping to set the stage for what we do know about Russia in Bible prophecy. That's our topic in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report, a podcast in which we look at the ways we can keep watch and find hope as we grow in our understanding of Bible prophecy. This is Steve Miller, and our focus in this episode is the prominent place that Russia has in Bible prophecy, how Russia is part of the stage setting that God is doing as we draw closer to the end time. Vladimir Putin had made no secret of the fact that he longs to restore the Russian Empire to its former glory. Back in 1991, the Soviet Union experienced political and economic strife that led to its collapse and the creation of 15 separate republics. Putin has since described this breakup as a great geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. In an interview in the summer of 2020, Putin said the departed republics left the USSR in 1991 together with a huge amount of traditionally, historically Russian land. This was Putin's way of saying that these lands rightfully belonged to Russia. Putin has since been eager to bring the various Soviet republics back into Russia's orbit. Now, Russia has always blamed the Soviet Union's collapse on the West and NATO. He has repeatedly accused the U.S., Europe, and NATO of intentionally working to destabilize Russia, and he claimed that they continue to conspire to weaken Russia. That is why Russia's official written military doctrine states that NATO is Russia's greatest national security threat and therefore one of Russia's greatest enemy. Because the U.S. is such a big part of NATO, especially from a military standpoint, Russia sees the U.S. as a major enemy. This isn't just some sentiment. Again, this is actually documented in Russia's written military doctrine. Also very important is that geographically, Russia can easily be invaded all across the land that connect it with Europe. Russia's western flank is largely flat, which makes Russia vulnerable. And historically, it's here that Russia has fought wars against many nations. Just in the past couple centuries alone, wars have been fought here against Turkey, Prussia, France, Great Britain, Germany, and other countries. This geographical vulnerability explains why Russia has always been eager to create as big a buffer as possible between itself and its perceived enemy. After the breakup of the Soviet Union, as former republics have become members of NATO or have talked about becoming members, Russia has had an extremely hostile response. During the past few decades, NATO has been slowly moving eastward, closer to Russia. Countries like Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Slovakia, and Slovenia have all become NATO members. And Russia does not want to see those NATO members carrying weapons from the U.S. and Europe, weapons that could endanger Russia. Back in 2007, Putin gave a speech in which he sternly warned 
that the U.S. and its allies not expand any closer to Russia. He accused the U.S. and NATO of starting up illegitimate war and causing instability in the former Soviet Republic. This explains Russia's invasions of Georgia in 2008 and Crimea in 2014. Russia is absolutely determined to prevent these former Soviet territories from joining NATO. When the Baltic states all became NATO members, Putin viewed this as a serious threat to Russia as well. And more recently, in 2021, before Russia invaded Ukraine, Putin said that Ukraine was a red line for Russia. That if Ukraine became a NATO member, it would provoke a strong response. And sure enough, as it seemed like Ukraine might join NATO, Russia moved forward and made its attack. Russia's perception of the U.S. as a national security threat is also why Russia became nervous when the U.S. sent military forces to Iraq, Libya, Afghanistan, Yugoslavia, and Syria. Russia claims that the real reason the U.S. got involved in these places was to establish footholds that would make it easier for the U.S. to attack Russia. All of this explains why Russia's invasion of Ukraine shouldn't have been a surprise to us. More recently, in July 2021, Putin wrote a discourse titled On the Historical Unity of Russian and Ukrainian. He said that after the 1991 breakup, Russians found themselves abroad overnight, taken away, this time indeed from their historical motherland. That is, millions of ethnic Russians found themselves separated from their homeland, including several million who lived in Ukraine. Putin went on in the speech to describe Russia and Ukraine as one people, a single whole, and he urged that Ukraine should return to partnership with Russia. Another important key to understanding Russia is recognizing Putin's desire for Russia to be a major power broker in the Middle East. Remarkably, Russia has relations with every single nation in the Middle East, all of the Muslim nations, as well as the democratic nation of Israel. The irony here is that Russia has relations with Middle Eastern nations that are at odds with each other. Russia works with both Iran and Israel, both Saudi Arabia and Iran, both the Palestinians and Israel, both Turkey and the Kurds, and with both sides of other regional conflict. In these ways, Russia has opened lines to every major player in the Middle East, and this even includes the terrorist groups Hamas and Hezbollah. All of this has been done by design. Russia wants to create conditions that are favorable to it in the Middle East and unfavorable for the U.S. and the West. Through all of this, Russia has stayed largely aloof, forming strategic partnerships that aren't really friendly with a couple of exceptions. Russia has been a strong ally of Iran, as well as of Syria. And as we'll see in a moment, this is prophetically significant. But the twin that we need to pay attention to is this. In the Middle East, the influence of the U.S. is declining, while Russia's influence is growing. We are seeing a changing of the guard in the Middle East, with Russia becoming a major power broker in the region, especially through its connections with Iran and Syria. If you're familiar with the prophecy in Ezekiel 38 about a major invasion of Israel, you'll know that in Ezekiel 38 verses 2 through 6, 
Several nations are named as part of a huge military coalition that will attack the Jewish nation at some point in the future. Ezekiel 38 describes this invasion as taking place in the latter days, which is a clue that it will happen in or near the end times. Another reason that we know this invasion is still future is that the nation named in Ezekiel 38 have never created a military coalition before. But they are forming alliances now, which seems to indicate that the fulfillment of this prophecy could be looming on the horizon. Two of the more prominent nations in this coalition are Rosh and Persia, or what today are known as Russia and Iran. And the fact that both Russia and Iran have an enormous military presence right now in Syria, which is right on Israel's northern border, is what leads many prophecy experts to believe that we could be seeing the formation of this coalition taking place in our day. It seems that the stage is being set for this future invasion, with Russia and Iran right at Israel's doorstep. So between Russia wanting to restore its former glory and Russia's desire to be the major power broker in the Middle East and Russia's hostility toward Western powers, which is one of the reasons Russia went to war against Ukraine, we are seeing some very significant developments take place. Also, the fact that Russia and Iran are such strong allies and that both have a significant military presence immediately to the north of Israel and the fact that Russia and Iran have become increasingly aggressive in asserting their power gives us very good reason to pay close attention to what is happening right now with Russia in the Middle East, and especially in Israel. As we know, Israel is the stage on which the end times will play out. If we want to know how close we are to the end times, all we need to do is to look at what's happening in and around Israel. With these things in mind, just as we did in our podcast about Iran, I'd like to share about a few ways that we could be praying for both believers and unbelievers in Russia. One of the most important ways we can pray is for peace. The war between Russia and Ukraine has killed thousands and displaced an estimated 10 million people. We should pray that the war will end for the sake of people's safety. We should also pray for churches in Ukraine and other nearby countries to reach out and help those who have been displaced. Many churches in Ukraine Poland, and other Eastern European countries have opened their doors to offer shelter and food, and they are also offering spiritual help. Pray that those who have lost loved ones in home would discover that real hope is found in Christ alone. Many Jewish people have fled both Ukraine and Russia and are immigrating to Israel, which is a good thing. This shows that God is still bringing His chosen people back into their homeland, as promised in Scripture. We should pray that these immigrants can adapt to their new home quickly and that perhaps the move will introduce them to Christians in Israel who are involved in sharing the gospel with Jewish people. Pray that those who are seeking safety in Israel would also come to find Christ in Israel. Many Ukrainians are also moving into Western Europe. We should pray that Christian churches in Western Europe would open their doors and offer to help meet the needs of these refugees. And we should pray for Bible-teaching pastors and missionaries in Russia. Their task is a challenging one. Pray that pastors and missionaries would be able to continue their ministries unhindered in spite of the opposition they face from the government and in spite of the pressure that they face doing their work in a totalitarian and godless country. Pray especially that Christians in Ukraine and Russia 
would not be discouraged by what is happening around them. Pray for them to encourage and build up one another, in spite of all the difficulties they are facing. Pray that they can continue to spread the gospel and do the Lord's work all around them. My hope is that this episode on Russia has given you a clearer sense of what is happening today and why, especially from a prophetic standpoint. Russia will clearly have a major role in the Ezekiel 38 attack against Israel and is ramping up its influence all across the Middle East in ways that foreshadow that invasion. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. In the next episode, we will look at our next prophetic hotspots, Syria and Lebanon. And if you'd like to read or hear other Bible prophecy resources I've developed, you can find them at stevemillerresources.com. That's stevemillerresources.com. This podcast and these resources have all been made possible by Harvest House Publishers. And in the meantime, keep watch and find hope. Live with the expectation that our Lord could return any day now.